Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spleichel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spleichel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We're happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is Choosing an e-commerce solution best for your business. Today's guest is the Director of Engagement at Ironplane, an e-commerce company helping businesses with platform design, development, and digital marketing. He is passionate about helping business dis- businesses discover and implement new technologies. A big welcome to Tim Bucciarelli. Hi, Tim. Hi, Andy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. You know, we're excited to have you. Now let's let's start out right at the heart of today's subject. What should a company consider and what are some of the biggest mistakes a company makes when choosing an e-commerce solution? Yeah, the biggest the biggest mistake, I'll start with that, um, is is uh, underfunding or overexpecting or both. Uh, and what I mean by that is some companies dream up this amazing vision of their e-commerce empire and what uh-huh. it's going to look like, you know, in the future. And they may be doing more in their mind than what their business actually requires. Like if they come to a platform, let's say for example, Magento, and they are excited about the prospect of customizing that platform to build out a whole lot of new custom functionality. It may be that that functionality doesn't actually impact their e-commerce bottom line, and they might be better off with a more all-in-one solution like Shopify. So I think the most important thing is that you match your business needs, your real business needs that impact your bottom line with the platform that you're selecting and make sure your investment in that platform is sufficient. So just like you can kind of blow out all of your expectations with these ideas of you know amazing functionality, whether you need it or not, um, similarly, you can dramatically underinvest in a platform when you need custom functionality. Um, so just that match between your business needs and the technology and your investment, that that's probably the most important thing that a business should take the time to figure out uh, before choosing a platform. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, let's talk about the major players. You got Shopify, BigCommerce, WooCommerce with, with WordPress and, and Magento. How would you rank the strengths of these? What what should somebody consider when they're when they're trying to match? what's best for their company, like you just said, with, with these different platforms. Yeah, so I think that we can bucket the, the 
at a high level, the platforms into two buckets. One is the SaaS platforms. SaaS is S-A-A-S, which stands for Software as a Service. Those are essentially built on a subscription model. So you as a merchant are subscribing to the services provided by a centrally managed platform. That's Shopify and that's big commerce. Yep. What they say goes, basically. You have some degree of customizability, but you're pretty limited, especially with Shopify. You need to do things by the Shopify way. With big commerce, you have a little bit more flexibility, but still it's centrally controlled. The other is what people call um, on-premise. It's kind of an antiquated term, but basically your code hosted somewhere for you and you manage it. And so it's not centrally managed. You're responsible for your code. And that's like Magento uh, and WooCommerce. So I... I What's focus- the... Um, I guess let me uh, just jump in there. What is the advantage of these different types? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, at the end of the day, centrally managed software allows you to not worry about hosting, not worry about security, not worry about the fundamental PCI compliance. I mean, if you're doing, you know, call center card processing, yeah, you still need to worry about it. But in other words, with big commerce, you don't have to pay for hosting. You don't have to worry about uptime and site security because big commerce centrally manages all of that on your behalf. You pay a subscription fee to big commerce, but that's the benefit. The flip side is with Magento, you have to pay hosting. You're responsible for your own site security. And you more than likely have to have an agency helping you support that site. So you don't pay a subscription fee, but you probably do have a support fee that you need to charge or that you need to pay an agency. Now, besides those four, Shopify, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, Magento, I mean, there are others, right? There's, there's always been others, although those seem to be the big four now. Um, are there any others that we should be talking about or is it really those those four have kind of taken over the market um i mean the biggest one is is uh shopify right i would say woocommerce is interesting um woocommerce is the type of thing where you have so many people on the wordpress um content management tool and because woocommerce is a like essentially a one-click extension to that platform, you have a huge number of people who have installed that extension and therefore could be considered WooCommerce users. That being said, I'm not convinced that all of those users are actually um, running an e-commerce website on that platform. But um, those are the two big ones. Magento is also pretty big. Big Commerce is coming up. Then you've got like in the B2B world, you've got um, Salesforce, primarily CRM, right? And a sales engine, but they also have Salesforce Commerce Cloud. 
which is gaining in reputation and in customers. Because if you've got people who are already on the Salesforce platform, adding the e-commerce component may be quite easy for those companies. There are others like Commerce Tools, which is making a name for itself in the headless environment. You've got other open, open source platforms like Shopware and Spryker. Um, and then you have other um, e-commerce platforms that are really kind of industry specific. Um, so if you're in automobile- Right, you're a real estate agent. They, I know exactly. they have one. Yes. Yeah. 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 What about Yahoo Small Business? What happened to them? <laughs> uh, that I honestly don't know. Um, I think probably it's what's happening to all of the other kind of lesser- e-commerce platforms is that people are looking at Shopify and the innovation that Shopify is putting into its core product and saying, why would I be doing this when I can get so much more for the same amount of money on this other platform? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know specifically. About, right. No, I just, I know they were huge in the early two thousands, right? And they yeah. They just pretty much disappeared. Now, I know an iron plane, so people come with you and you also work on, on the design part, right? Platform design. Yes. Yep. What are, it's always the million dollar question, right? What are the really important aspects of converting website, of a high converting website, creating it right out of the box? What do you, what do you want to do? Um, the, the table stakes are making sure that your pages have clear and engaging calls to action. Um, but one thing that people sometimes miss is that they need to match the audience that they are targeting with their ad campaigns and their SEO content. They need to match that audience with the landing pages and the landing page content and the calls to action. So that if you're advertising you know, wallets and you're sending them to your homepage, which is just generically about leather goods, it's not gonna convert as well as if they're clicking on their ad for wallets and they're going to a landing page specifically about wallets that are referred to in that ad. There's a much higher degree of relevance um, when you make that match. So I think that's something that's uh, very important. In, in e-commerce itself, there's a combination of best practices expertise in site design, and also really understanding your audience uh, through doing audience research. And I think that if you can, you know, do the research, find someone with the expertise who can implement the best practices, you're off to a really good start. From there, I think a lot of it comes down to A-B testing. When you have ideas of let's do this slight change differently and see if we see a difference in results, then you can target based on those uh, improved results over time. How important do you think conversion rate is? Well, let me step back on improving your conversion, differentiating your store to the competitors on things other than price. How much, I guess, how much effort do you go into that? Um, other than, you know, of course, you got a quick load, it, it looks nice, all that. But how much, I guess, ever do you put into, like, just the personality of the website and kind of that piece when looking to improve conversion? 
Yeah. If you are in a business and you feel like price is going to be your differentiator, you don't have very long to live in e-commerce, in my opinion. Um, if you are going to be the lowest common denominator, you are not going to succeed online. You need to set yourself apart in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, design, that's a little bit more superficial, but it can be impactful. I think it really comes down to, again, the matching. And I, I sorry to keep harping on this, but the matching between your product and your audience, people are willing to pay more for a product that they care about from a vendor that they trust. And that is the same regardless of whether they're buying uh, a specialty cheese from my prior experience uh, in the specialty food world, or whether they're buying uh, e-commerce development services from an agency like Ironplane. If the quality of the work, the quality of the product is there, people are willing to pay for it. And it's, it's up to you to expose that value to your audience in a way that makes them want to convert. Now, we touched on this briefly, but I mean, Shopify, it's, it's the hottest e-commerce solution going right now. But I see you guys really support, is it exclusively Magento? Um, we work with two platforms, Magento, which is also called Adobe Commerce mm -hmm. and Big Commerce. And uh, so why, I guess my question is, why have you not jumped into to Shopify? Yeah, great question. Um, several reasons. One, uh, we really want to specialize on specific platforms. Two, the uh, kind of the agency world for Shopify support is very rich and diverse right now. I don't think we felt like we could really add much there. Um, thirdly, Shopify is philosophically a little bit different than what we prefer. They like you to work within their box in their uh, Shopify world. They, they um, encourage and restrict in some cases uh, what type of apps you can use in your platform. Magento open source is kind of the polar opposite where it was community driven open source platform back in the day. It now is owned by Adobe, but there is still an open source version. And that allows for a great deal more customization and community development. And big commerce sits somewhere in between. Big commerce is what they call open SaaS. So they are much more exposed in their APIs to allow you to do more hook-ins with other platforms and applications. So we wanted to be able to offer something simpler as a SaaS solution for um, smaller enterprise businesses and big commerce fit that bill perfectly. But we still are very, very bullish on Magento and Adobe, Adobe Commerce in supporting larger enterprise businesses. So how does a company decide really what they need when they're first starting? Um, back of the envelope, if you're doing less than a million uh, um, annual recurring revenue online um, and you wanna spend less than $2,000 a month, um, I would be looking at uh, Shopify if you have relative, especially if you have. So if you're just, if you're just starting out, you don't know how much you're, you're going to do, you would recommend 
go with Shopify. Yeah, well, the other the other caveat there is that um, you probably should have uh, a relatively simple product assortment. The more complicated your product assortment, the more complicated your buying process, that's when you need to start looking at different solutions. I think Shopify is really for people who need to sell widgets. Um, and uh, I think that works quite well in that scenario. But if you have like a highly complex product that requires some configuration during the checkout process, I would consider looking at big commerce as an alternative. If you have truly um, more complex requirements for uh, integrating with other systems, or you want a really bespoke uh, front end design, you should be looking at Adobe Commerce or Magento. Hey, what's up there? This is Andy. I wanted to take a quick break from the show and talk to you for just one minute. You probably know that I've been called the world's foremost expert in e-commerce growth strategies. But have you ever wondered how I gained all this knowledge? First, you probably guessed it. It's through all the years of interviews I've done with experts and uber successful throughout the e-commerce space right here on the Make Each Click Count podcast. And second, it's through all the courses that are available at Make Each Click Count University. From Facebook to Google Ads to Pinterest to SEO, if you are looking to grow your business by either adding a new marketing channel or by optimizing an existing marketing channel like an expert, go to www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com forward slash classes. There you will find a course that will help you become an expert in whatever marketing channel you currently need help. Better yet, Choose more than one. Join Make Each Click Count University and join me and other marketing professionals live once a month at our monthly marketing members-only meeting. Again, you can view all courses at www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com forward slash classes. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, I think you, you just hit on it, but when a store migrates from one of these platforms to another, or they come to you, you know, from Shopify, they want to go to Magento. Do they have that in mind that they want to be able to customize it in a way that's not possible? Is that the, the number one reason? Uh, no. no, usually, no. Usually companies know when they're signing up with Shopify or big commerce and they, they know their limitations on design. And it's not like there are no customizations you can make to the front end on those platforms, but it is more limited. But um, those companies typically are coming to us because they've hit such a volume of sales that their cost of ownership is actually much higher on a Shopify environment than it would be if, if, if they went with Magento open source. How much, like how much are you talking on, on that, where they get to that tipping point? Uh, well, let's let's back up first again and say, well, what would you be spending on a Magento open source website? Uh, let's say you're spending $3,000 a month uh, for an agency to support, maintain, optimize your existing Magento website. So if you're hitting that with your fees with Shopify, 3000 plus, you know, you might consider looking at a different platform. Um, especially if you have of even greater growth in the foreseeable future, you know, where, because Shopify bills you based on your dollar revenue. So as your revenue goes right. up, you're paying more. 
So if you have expansive growth plans over the next couple of years, definitely worth doing your own calculation for total cost of ownership for the next you know five years and see what makes sense. You know, I would think that as we come, you know, getting as hard as believe getting into almost the new year here, that's got to be a, a busy time for people to to migrate as they look at that or the whole year and and you know many are really busy here in the in Q4. Absolutely. Do you find, you, you find and, yourselves getting really busy then in January, February? Yes, typically. Um, and it, because a lot of companies are looking at their performance in the fourth quarter and evaluating what they are capable of investing in the future coming years. So that has a, it's a big, big component. One other thing though, it, it's quite different if you're talking about B2C businesses versus b2b so b2b they were very busy you know q3 prepping uh for everything that the retailers would need going forward into q4 um and so q4 is a little bit quieter for them um but i think to your point everybody in the new year the budgets are refreshed right they've seen what q4 has done for them and they're yeah a lot of conversations start up around february for us for sure is there a best time to migrate your store? <laughs> I guess, you know, is it the beginning of the year or is it you're so busy there that you can't really get an agency to do it? Maybe you should wait until April or May, you know, is, is there a premium time or an ideal time to migrate? Um, you know, it's really, it's, um, it's more about your internal resources because uh, the migration isn't going to affect your existing website. I mean, all the work can be done in the background so that you don't need to worry about any impact on your existing business. But the impact comes when we need to be depending on your stakeholders to provide us with the functional requirements, to to provide us with some of the QA assistance and the user accessibility testing. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that internal resources will need to be doing in managing that migration. Um, so as far away from your busy time as possible, I would say, yeah. and don't try to shoehorn a migration in like just to fit your schedule, like be realistic and give yourself, I don't know, 20% extra. If someone says it's going to be done in July, you know, start thinking September launch um, just because there's, there's, plenty of stuff that can go wrong um, or new functionality that you decide that you need. So give yourself plenty of time. Don't try to shoehorn a migration in. Um, And, you know, if it's that important, consider an MVP, a most minimum viable product launch followed by phased upgrades over time. Um, There are ways to get things done sooner if you um, plan it out appropriately. How often do you see a migration resulting in a drop of traffic, whether it's it's SEO or, you know, I, I've even had, had customers who migrate and, and they're shopping. Amount of clicks and impressions go down, even though, you know, even though it's a feed, it shouldn't, right? Um, but is that common? Do you see it typically? Is there a drop for a while as far as the amount of traffic or or no? Um, assuming everything else is held equal, and by that I mean your SEO efforts, your paid advertising efforts, your 
social engagement efforts, if those are all remaining equal, you really should not see much of an impact on the volume of visits to your website. If you are seeing a drop in visits, then something wasn't planned out properly or wasn't implemented properly. There's enough uh, out there in the world of e-commerce website migrations that everyone knows the key things that you need to do to be able to maintain your SEO values, uh, historical SEO values. So I think that if you do see a drop, something wasn't done as well as it should have been done. If you had a crystal ball, you could see in the future 12 to 18 months, what do you see happening with the e-commerce industry? Um, I think Shopify is going to continue making great strides and innovations in their technology. I think that people will also be sooner to move away from Shopify because they're realizing that there are some limitations. I think big commerce is going to be the next big platform in SaaS, at least. Um, I think the composable movement is going to be very big in the coming five to 10 years. And composable is also called headless. In my opinion, they are slightly different, but they're very similar. Um, and what that is, is kind of breaking your e-commerce platform out into several component parts that can each be managed uh, independently. And so it's more efficient for um, troubleshooting, development work, and site speed. Um, so that I think is, is going to be a big movement over the next several years as well. So let's switch gears now and, and talk a little bit more about your agency, um, Ironplane. Who is the perfect client for Ironplane? Who are you guys serving? Our perfect client is a company that is a mid-sized enterprise business. And by that, I mean someone who's doing, let's say, 25 million annually to 250 million annually. Obviously, we have a bunch of clients that are smaller and a bunch who are larger. The most important thing is that our clients understand the value of e-commerce and are willing to invest in it. And they're willing to invest in an agency that does it well. So in this world today, you can go find a lot of freelancers. You can find agencies who charge you $65 an hour and you get the quality of work that that investment uh, promises, which is not very much in my opinion. Um, so if you're willing to make the investment, find an agency like Ironplane and there are many others out there who do it very well. Um, and so that's really our ideal client who understands the value of e-commerce and is willing to invest in it. Do you have a favorite success story? One of your clients you'd be willing to share? Um, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I look at some of the sites for our clients and I just, I'm drawn to them mainly because of their own internal artistic and marketing, uh, like I like Bosca.com. Like I just love the, the photography and the products. Um, I like Royal Chain. Royal Chain is a great B2B jewelry uh, business and they have such beautiful 
products and photography. Um, and then there's Barbecue Galore, which is another one, bbqgalore.com. Great products, uh, very attractive. Um, we have others, but th those are a few that I like uh, just because they've got pretty slick, attractive websites. Um, I'm a little bit of a sucker for good design. And how do you guys separate yourself from other agencies? Uh, I think more than anything else, we are really interested in a long-term relationship where we come to know the business priorities and let the business priorities drive the technology solutions rather than trying to pitch the latest and greatest technology solutions to a company where the actual bottom line may not even be impacted by those solutions. So we are a long-term partner with our clients. Um, we don't do a job and then walk away. We do a job and we aim to stay with that client over the long-term to help them improve it. And last, but certainly not least, how can an interested listener learn more about working with, with Iron Plane? So you can find us on LinkedIn, Iron Plane. You can go to our website, ironplane.com. And um, if you're interested in connecting with me, you can also find me on LinkedIn, but maybe easiest is ironplane.com forward slash Tim. My last name is not the easiest to uh, spell out. Well, this has been great. Well, thanks for joining us, Tim. Is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap it up today? No, Andy, this has been great. I enjoy your podcast and I appreciate you having me on. Great. Well, thank you once again. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding connecting with Tim or Iron Plane, you will find the show links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic and have included each of the contact information in case you would like more information on any services I have discussed during previous episode. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay, stay safe, keep healthy and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.